Well, toss that rusty old grill into the lake and set the Barker Lounger on fire. You are now entering the dad word spiral. It's I, Aaron Pruner, the creator of this thing. And with me again this week is Eddie Doty, the hey guy there. that keeps me sane, the guy who keeps me on track, the guy who makes me feel like maybe I'm getting enough sleep in my life. That, that, that's too uh, much responsibility for, for one man. Uh, on Twitter, uh, I'm I'm Aaron Flux. On Facebook, I'm Aaron W. Pruner. On Instagram, I'm Aaron W. Pruner. You can find Dadward Spiral online at dadwardspiral.com or at Dragon Wagon Radio, who uh, still, they got merch. If you want to buy a COVID-19 mask with a picture of me falling in the silhouette of my daughter uh, to wear on your face, those are available as our shirts and coffee mugs. Um, I have way too many coffee mugs in my house. I just got a Ted Lasso coffee mug in the mail, which was nice. Um, Eddie, where can people find you? Uh, Kirby.Matrix, Twitter. That's about it. I, I'm honestly like, that's the only place I do anything on. I'm a, I'm a bad yeah. social media person. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, you know, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I'm on a, another podcast called Plunders and Blunders. It's a D and D actual plot, uh, actual play podcast. I've been on that for a couple of years now, and we're we're wrapping up. We're in our home stretch. We've got, I think, three more months, two more months worth of episodes before the big finale. So I'm going to start plugging that uh, at Plunders Blunders on Twitter, and you can just look for the Plunders and Blunders podcast on uh, any anywhere you can find podcasts. I like okay. that title. Hunters and Blunders is good. Yeah, it's hey, fun. Sh- you got Gina DeVivo. Sh- sh- there's no one here yet. Shh. No guests are here yet. I haven't introduced you yet. Shh. Uh, <laughs> Eddie. Hey, Eddie. Yep. Yeah. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was a good birthday. It was yesterday. Turned the big 43. Uh, nothing uh, Nothing crazy. It was just uh, my wife and I actually rented a small electric boat and had drinks on the water and then oh. yesterday i actually ran dnd with my boys uh i went down to newport on my own for a minute and then uh uh yeah played dnd with my boys and then um the, you were commenting on my zoom background that was from my my weekly invisible sun uh rpg game that i play with uh some some friends of mine so we did that had a great time it was very chill very it was, it was very covid uh quarantine appropriate uh, we were pretty much just my wife and I, or just me on our own with masks. Nothing, nothing terribly crazy. Well, I feel like he's staring daggers into my face. He's looking very, very Who, suave. Oh, no, our, our guest, guest today. Yes. 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 I don't know. This, the no beard daggers. makes him, the, the beard and the voice just makes him very mysterious. Uh, our <sighs> guest this week is an old friend of mine who I've known for about 18 years now. Um, Mr. Jeff Kanata is uh, a guy who I didn't even know was into all of, you know, this geek stuff, tech stuff, Dungeons and Dragons stuff. When I met him, he was just a, a friend slash roommate of my friends. But it turns out this guy uh, did the Totally Rad show. He hmm. uh, just recently wrapped up uh, a Dungeons and Dragons show called Dungeon Run. He's been heard regularly on the Slash Film podcast, on a podcast called We Have Concerns. I remember there was like a beer commercial he was in at one point where he was standing by a train and like everything got all icy and he like I think had like a romantic kiss with a girl. Uh, there's been a lot that this man has been involved with and I would like to thank Jeff Kanata for showing up because he was one of the first people on Twitter who complimented me on this show title. So good title. Jeff, thank you for coming on the dad word spiral. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to be here. Happy birthday, Eddie. Oh, thank you. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I kind of subscribe to the Patton Oswalt um, bit of like, once you get past 30, you only should celebrate a birthday every 10 years. I like uh, that idea. Yeah. And then we get to be oh. hungry, You can start breaking laws. And then at 120, <laughs> if you live to be that long, you're just you become president. Uh, it's a good yeah. bit. It's a classic. Yeah, it's a good find bit. it. Find it on I, your uh, local YouTube provider. I feel like uh, we all have to celebrate our birthday this year because it has been 10 years since our last birthday. Sure. You know, yeah. based on how time has stopped for everyone. Well, it was crazy because like a year ago, I was. I, it was so different. Um, a year ago, I was up in San Francisco uh, onboarding with Twitch because uh, that was my contract with them started. And um, and I have friends who live up there. So like for my birthday, my friends met me. We went and got uh, if you've ever been to the Fisherman's uh, Wharf, they have sure. a really cool crab place, uh, got a bunch of crab and and ate and just hung out with my friends and, and flew back that evening. And it was amazing. Uh, 
and you know it's completely different and then like two, three weeks later we all went to lockdown so yeah. it mm. just you know completely different night and day and even though now we're in this oh, weird yeah. phase where it's like is it starting to get better no not at all but kind of maybe i don't know like we're, like people are getting vaccinated like there's still like a lot of uncertainty nobody really knows anything yeah um, and then it's like okay maybe this will be the last birthday i celebrate this like this i i guess i don't know i can't assume nothing's nothing's guaranteed yeah you're right on that line. My birthday like was said, on you... Father's Day. My birthday was on uh, Father's Day last mm, year. So it was yeah. like picnic in the park. And all my daughter talked about for like a month was eating raisins in the park. So I'm glad it uh, worked out. Sorry, Jeff, what were you saying? No, I was just pointing out that he, you know, right on the, he was right, right before, we're, we're coming up on a year, right, of, uh, yeah. of COVID. Yeah. Uh, and since your birthday was right before, I, I do have hope that this will be the last birthday you celebrate. You were like the, one of the last people to celebrate a birthday in COVID. The rest of us have already had our COVID birthdays. Yeah. You know? So hopefully yours yours is the last uh, like that. I think I hope for a year from now we're all looking back and going, man, that was weird. Yeah, you know? I think it's <laughs> going to be part of our lives, you know, for in some form, but at for least sure. we'll be able to get back like like 80% of normal. Like yeah. I'll, I'll think, be happy with 80% of normal. Well, I, one we, of you know, things- Aaron and I were talking before you before you got here, Eddie, that uh about being sick. Uh, and I, you know, this, the last year I've gotten sick zero times, mm. uh, which is way down from my, since I had kids, like I was constantly sick after I right. had kids. Right. And I, I'm kind of in this feeling of like, maybe I'll just always wear a mask. Maybe that's just oh. what I'll do now because Dude, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm not worried about COVID, but it sure is nice not getting colds either. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We well, went to Japan in 2016 and it's just a thing people do because of just being courteous, yeah. <laughs> not sharing their germs with other people. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I no, feel I mean, like that's going to be happening in our household for a while. It, it is crazy because like I, I went to, I, I went to Comic-Con every year for since like 1993, I've gone to Comic-Con every year. And like, I, I was very adamant about never missing a year. It was kind of like, just, it, it, you know, especially now at our age, like it's, it's, we have people who, go there for professional obligations so for some of us it's a time to connect with people who we normally don't get to see and i miss it and i will go back to it um but i'm trying to think of a world in which 150,000 people in san diego uh mass or no are just like shoulder to shoulder yeah you know what i mean and like and and not be filled with anxiety Um, (laughs) if you're not already filled with anxiety around that about it i know right jesus yeah yeah, no, that's uh, true. Yeah. It's it, 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 it's uh, I read a tweet uh, almost a year ago, like, you know, right in the first couple of months of of quarantine. I read this tweet that has stuck with me and I've said over and over and over. I don't know who wrote it, but it is stuck with me. And it, it, it was uh, it's easier to go into quarantine than it is to come out of it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's so true. true. You know, it's like, yeah. it's yeah. really turns out to be really hard once you start doing it to not do right. it anymore and I, I don't think we're there yet even but even when it is time to come out of quarantine i think i'm going to be hesitant and just my feeling about other people is yeah. different yeah right 100%. yeah and there's i mean you were talking earlier about the long-lasting effects of it and i just keep thinking about how and we've talked about this on the show before how this is going to impact our kids because yeah there's a developmental aspect of of social interaction oh big time with other kids yeah, man. And I've talked about this before. My daughter has made it vocally clear. She hates all other kids and she hates the son. And she, I have well, to she's promise, her father's daughter. Yeah, yeah no, I, that's yeah. True. Uh, uh, I, and I, I had to sometimes make promises to her that the park will be completely empty when we go or else I won't <laughs> even be able to get her into the car. How are you going to make that happen? I don't. I mean, I Daddy's tell her we can't control other people. <laughs> you know, I just gotta go to the park when it's low traffic. But um, you know, we're. I, I'm gonna actually two o'clock in the morning. Get up. To, we're going to, to the park. Yeah, let's go. Let's bring our flashlights, mining helmets. <laughs> um, let's go spelunking. You want to go scooting in the park? Now's the best time. Um, it makes me feel so bad though because I see certain behavioral things in her that bring me back to my antisocial childhood, which just is like, fuck, I, I see the reflection. Is she learning this from me or is it just hardwired into her DNA to not <laughs> like other kids? I don't, I don't know where she learned that from, but I feel like COVID <laughs> is not helping that at all. 
I think, you know, on a, a macro scale, one of the wild things about being a parent, especially of two kids, where you see differences in them is that the whole notion of nature versus nurture is like right in front of me, you know, yeah. the, this, this thing of, you know, you raise both kids in the same way in the same house and yet they're completely different personalities. Yes. Yeah. And you go, what, you know, there's, there are behaviors that I'm witnessing that I know weren't learned, right? There's something innate in this, this creature that made them do this thing. You know, one of those things is my daughter, who's younger than my son, my wife and I made a huge effort not to do any gender normative toys or, or, you know, mm -hmm. impose anything mm -hmm. on her. You're a girl, you should wear pink, any of that crap. And yet she yeah. wants the dolls, wants to play house with the dolls, <laughs> cares for the dolls. Like we didn't, we didn't introduce that. We didn't suggest that we didn't even, we, it kind of made it hard for her to do it in a certain respect. Cause we didn't, weren't buying her dolls and stuff. So she was using other stuff. It's like, oh, there is something on a physiological level that is different between boys and girls, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, hormones exist like in that time and, and, and color receptors. We did, you know, with, with, we have two boys and, and our daughters are youngest. And with her, we, we both kind of made a thing like we will have the, you know, the, the pink frilly ruffle butt stuff, but <laughs> we will also have, like a lot of grays and greens and neutral colors and toys, especially with, when it comes to play. Yeah. I feel like apparel is, and this is just my completely just, you know, not backed up by any data whatsoever opinion, but I feel like apparel is one thing. I think like play, when you start to gender play, yeah, I think that's where, it, it can, it, you can not necessarily, I don't know if it gets you in trouble in any way, but we just, for whatever reason, made an effort to not genderize play. Right. Right. Because, mm. and, and like when it comes to action figures or dolls or toys, like a lot of my boys uh, toys that they played with were very gender neutral. They kind of skipped the action figure phase by and large. A lot of the stuff they, they it's like at a young age, they were doing like Paw Patrol and then it leaped to like Nerf gun and engineering <laughs> stem stuff and D&D yeah. &D and some other things and we just sort of whereas for me growing up a child of the 80s and the you know the Reagan era deregulation on commercials can actually just be 30 long toy commercials yeah. um was very much a product of the the eight inch gi joe sized action figure the transformers all this other stuff um and even like the toys that skewed a little bit that way for my boys were like dinosaurs they weren't like mm. they weren't really like uh the male macho thing because for what right. I, I just think that the play aspect not genderizing imagination right yeah totally was, was like a big thing my uh my my youngest son were playing D, &D and, and by playing D, D, we create characters they just love creating characters they do like 30 actual minutes of gameplay and then they want to roll new characters and that's <laughs> fine right. um but you know my youngest son Riker was like can I be a girl? Make sure you can be a girl. I don't care. Like you can be like, right. and I'm like, and honestly, buddy, some of these species, you can't really tell the difference between male and female. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. like a, a turtle male versus a turtle female. I don't think yeah. you're going to get a lot okay. of, you know what I mean? Or okay. an Aracocra's genitals. Stop. Yeah, exactly. Stop. <laughs> slow, <laughs> slow down, slow down. Stop. Okay. I, I told, <laughs> I told Jeff before we started recording that uh, I am like the old curmudgeonly man here who doesn't really understand some of these things. Sure. So I need you both to explain to me why it's a thing for people <laughs> to go online and watch other people play Dungeons and Dragons. Why is that do you a like, trend? Aaron, do, that you, is... do you like do you like stories? Yeah. It, yeah. It's a story. It's a story. It's it's improv with dice, man. It's all yeah, it is. It's an improvised it's, it's, story. It's improv with dice. Yeah. yeah. And and like I before I worked on Critical Role, I was a fan of it. Because I played, I played D and D. I played not just D and D. I played a lot of role playing games in the eighties and nineties, and then a lot of that just transitioned into video games because of availability. Just because it was easier to play an MMO like Warcraft or something. Um, but I always miss like the character and the lore aspect of it. And then around twenty fourteen, people, you know, earlier than that, twenty twelve, I think, people started like streaming or like collaborating for like online play. And it reminded me of how much I missed it. How much I yeah. missed like that mix of 
crunchy game mechanics with the character improv like because i did improv in high school and like i missed that performative aspect of it and then whether it was the adventure zone or some of these early ones and then critical role the big the big for me the viral explosion of it was when people started clipping from the streams because not everybody has like and this is something we tried to solve for when I worked at legendary was not everybody has time for a three hour, four hour game in their lives. But the clips, if I just like, if I see enough of these funny little clips uh, or cool little clips or cool little moments that I can kind of sort of understand, then I'll be more and more incentivized to like, okay, I'm going to clear some time and I'm going to have this destination thing. And then the other part of it, if it's more often than not, they're live, tuning in for live programming and having that communal experience, mm. I think is very powerful. Just like a football game is essentially the same value proposition in terms of time commitment right. and your average live stream D and D game. People like, that's why live sports do so well because you can't DVR the game. You right. can't like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you have to be part of yeah. the conversation and of the moment it loses value as soon as it's over. Um, and for D and D, there's and or just any like live stream tabletop role playing game, there's a lot of that overlap. There. And it's okay. It, I think it's a great analogy on another level too, because I had a, a drama teacher in college who used to talk about sports as the perfect distillation of drama. Right? Mm-hmm. You you go in, yeah. You don't know the outcome. You're you're invested, and that's basically how D and D is. Right? They're playing a game. They're telling a story, but unlike watching a, you know, an hour drama on TV, the end isn't pre-de- predetermined, right? We, right. There, are, there is chance. There yes. are things that can oh my happen. God, yeah. Like, like in a yep. football game, like in yeah. a sports, any sports game, right? You can have a character can die or you know, things, the unpredictable things can happen. And that's, that's part of the live experience too, is going, oh my gosh, I'm here for this roller coaster ride where even the participants mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. okay 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 so okay so um that makes that sense quickly and evolved want... into uh jeff and eddie explained D there which is fine. <laughs> thank exactly. you no 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 that's this. good that's good that's good that's good and i actually wanted to pivot that into the next thing so uh last week um i uh i the, the television critics association press tour is happening right now and last week they did they had a creep show panel and uh, Greg Nicotero was talking about there's an episode in season two that is very personal to him that goes back to the early 70s and sort of explores the life of a character who uh, was really into monsters and geeky stuff in the 70s where the father figure in society in general was just about you have to be into sports and not this like weird like makeup pretend world. And I feel like that sort of resonates, I think, with us in general growing up in the 80s being into more nerdy things and it being looked down upon but here we are now like in the 80s Dungeons and Dragons was not this pop culture phenomenon how it is it now was it was it absolutely no. was until the satanic panic hit and then it like, okay yes yeah right yes okay good thank but you also for every geeky thing is not the pop culture thing that it is now I know. I'm getting to a point. Oh, okay, goodness. Uh, sorry, I just had. Aaron a lot of rules this podcast uh, with an iron fist. I've learned. Uh, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Okay, so here we are now. We're dads. It's it's now sort of cool to be a nerd. And I'm curious, from your perspectives uh, as parents, how do you communicate this thing that is a huge part of your identity and a huge part of your formative years now to your kids. Cause I know Eddie was talking about doing D and D with his kids a lot. And I think about this for when my daughter might be old enough for me to, to try to introduce her to things that were big in my world, you know, growing up and see if, how she either does or does not take to it. I think that's an Eddie question. Cause my kids are a little too young. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Uh, okay. So they're a little too young for, for D and D. But have my, you put thought into this? I definitely hope that they do that. I, I have lots of board games. I mean, you can see some of the board games behind me, but there's a whole other room of huge shelves of board games. And what, in the living room, we have a bunch of board games as well. And my son has like said, daddy, can we play that? And obviously the game is way beyond his capacity at this point, but we pull the games out and we open them up and he plays with the components and moves the little bits around and stuff. And so I'm hoping that, just sort of nurturing that curiosity will mm-hmm. lead to some of that. But uh, I think Eddie could probably talk 
better about this. Uh, you're not, you're not, uh, li- listen, I, I, the, everything you're doing is, is exactly right. Like my kids only recently came into D and and I have a 10 year old and a six year old. So I never pushed it. Um, I, I have my, I have a, like any good D and D player or role playing game player, I have dice, and the kids are always asking questions about dice. Like, why are there so many sides on this? Yeah. Uh, and like, what does this one do? What does this one do? What does this one do? And then for me, it was describing. It's like, so when they ask like what a D six does, I'm like, well, you know, if you hit someone with a stick, it's like one of these. <laughs> but yeah. if you can summon a fireball you get to roll eight of these and that tells you how much damage it does. Like if you're a sorcerer and like, I'll like get, I'll like explain to them just like the little breadcrumbs of lore around it. And then they become very interested in it. The building a character is like, and for me, it was half the fun growing up as well was build this idea of building a character, Mm -hmm. right? Like imagining what you could be and then imagining and then seeing what that, how that takes shape in terms of like some basic mechanic stuff. I think, um, Listen, for me, I've never sought to get them out there. What I did do was, I think it's a give and take. You have to like listen to what they want to do, whether you're familiar with it or not. And then you have to be an active participant in it, even and admit that you're coming in blind. Like, hey, I don't know. I don't know what this is about, but you seem to be into it. I, I've, I've never played Pokemon. This is like a big, like either the card game or the video game. I've never played Pokemon. My kids fucking love Pokemon. And so I'll go in there and I'll just sit with them while they describe what every single one does and I ask awesome. questions yeah. and I and I listen. And then that way, when they ask me questions, they have a pattern of behavior to emulate. So when they ask me about awesome. the thing I'm doing, then I can give them that and they have a condition to them like, okay, I talked, so now I get to listen. And, um, you know, like for instance, and, and it's been super revealing like to see what they do with the gameplay, which I'll talk about later, but like, it's been, it's been so fascinating to see how they internalize the game mechanics in the story and how they make it their own. But yeah, that, that, that's the basics of it. That's just so profound though. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, just to add to that, I had, I had an old boss uh, who passed away a few years ago and I went to his funeral and um, at his funeral, his daughters got up who are adults now, Mm -hmm. uh, but they spoke, beautifully about their dad and the thing that I will never forget is they stood there and they said, the thing I loved about my dad was is if it was important to us, it was important to him. Yeah. And I will, I like that locked onto that in my head. And I think about that every day when I'm, I'm with my kids, like if it's important to them, it's important to me. Yeah. And I mean, that goes, that's even a part of what I was going to say is I remember growing up and being so enclosed in this world, this imaginative world that I created for myself, that was kind of this safe space away from the abuse and bullying that was happening right outside my door, that there was no room for that type of communication with uh, adults in my life, that Mm -hmm. it was like, this is where I exist. You don't understand this. And when I try to explain it, I get this weird reaction or pushback that I'm weird. So the the idea that we can have these relationships with our kids where it's like this open communication of thoughts and championing creativity and world building or create or you know or character building or just storytelling it it's uh it it, it kind of blows my mind cuz you know it's something I never even thought of in this realm, I mean, there's a lot of things I never thought of in fatherhood at all, but like that <laughs> yeah. feels so fucking important. And as it acts, I, I'm sure that acts as a foundation of to for wherever they go in their life, you know? I mean, yeah. we're speaking three men who uh, all work in some sort of creative storytelling field. And I'm sure that we got into where we're at now based somehow on these moments from our childhood, right? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Definitely. It's it's um I, I have a question for Jeff on this one. Like, you know, your your kids are not at that playing age right now, but you have, you know, both produced and and uh, you know, performed in a number of um a number of like you know uh, live stream tabletop games and D and stuff so you know at some point your kids are going to be able to see you like i've i've appeared a few times i i dm'd a game for q times and uh for a different game system called operation or uh, uh phoenix dawn command and um i i 
DM'd a couple times, and then you know there's the podcast, but there's not a ton of hours on me. And as you and I both know, Jeff, if you play in any kind of like D and D game, there's a million gifts of you out there, yeah, floating around. Right. If you just search your name, oh, you that's got to be weird. All... It's a, it's weird. It's weird because it's this like digital thumbprint that like yeah. will outlive you. And you know, when we were talking to Mike Flanagan, he had this really great phrase that's still with me that he, he approaches his work in part as a way to leave something behind for his children to interrogate after he's gone <laughs> you know great. for real like yeah. and a lot of his a lot of his work touches on themes of family and trauma and moving on yeah and things yeah like and you want to know something eddie i'm going to interject for a second sure. i had a chance to talk to stephen king last week in yeah. a tca panel and i tried to bring that up but i had no preparation at all to ask him that and it turned sure. into like five minutes of just me fanboy babbling like Mike that Flanagan happens. said he reacted to Stephen King. It's Stephen so, King. What are you uh, gonna do? What are you gonna yeah, do? No, it's yeah. true. No, but I, I guess my question for you, Jeff, would be like, you know, out of all the games that you've played, right? And and because it is, it's it's a creation. It's part of your yeah. craft. It's something you've made. Is there something that you would hope your kids get out of it, whether it's a specific lesson or a perspective or an approach or just simply <laughs> the act of seeing their dad being creative and throwing caution to the wind and, and just swinging for the fences and doing so unashamed? Uh, yeah, I think you say that very eloquently. I, I think that'd be a wonderful takeaway um, is um, I come at things very passionately and uh, I, I tend not to hold back at all. And I, I, would want that for my kids. You know, I, I like the fact that my kids right now, you know, it, we're in this weird place where they don't have peers to be intimidated by or, or, or live up to, you know, they're just isolated kids right now in, in our COVID bubble. But I like the fact that they tend to be very um, fearless at the moment. Uh, and I want to encourage that, right? I want to, I, I like the idea of jumping in with both feet. And I think that storytelling and especially improvised storytelling is all about that, right? It's all about leaping in and, and jumping into the void and trusting the people you're playing with. Um, and Dungeon Run in particular, I'm very proud of because we decided before we started that it was going to be family friendly. So we don't, there's no F-bombs, you know, yes, it's violence because it's, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, we very much wanted it to be a show that people could enjoy with their kid, kids. So I'm, really looking forward to the point where I can hopefully spark my kids' imagination and they'll want to watch it. And I think that our show has a lot of great themes. I and mean, we, we, we end every show uh, with the phrase humankind be both, um, mm. which, you know, is uh, kind of like the, yeah, the, I think the theme of the show is like, it's about these heroes finding out that they're heroes and figuring out what being a hero is. And, you know, one of the things we, mandated at the start of that show was like, we're not going to have any hero, uh, evil aligned characters, right? It's, it's going to be a show about heroes. It's going to be a show about people mm. who are trying to do good in the world. And um, so, yeah, in that sense, like, I think I definitely have a hope that my kids will want to watch that, or at least even if they don't want to watch dad for, you know, 300 hours, <laughs> nobody does. I don't think anybody wants to watch dad for 300 hours. That, that they will at least glean the positivity of it and the like the camaraderie of it and the I, I you know i think there's something very beautiful about dnd because there's this concept i talk about a lot which i did not invent it's been around for many 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 years but um this idea of the magic circle mm. which is this idea that anytime you play a game whether it's basketball or a board game or dungeons and dragons or anything that you are entering into a magic circle the people that you are playing the game with have all agreed tacitly to the rule set and the, the rules of the outside world outside that magic circle no longer apply. Right. Mm, but the yep. rules of the circle in the circle that we are making up are we, you have to abide by them. And in fact, it's a celebration of that shared reality. And yeah. I think there's something really beautiful about that. And it's something that I hope my kids take away or, or find in their own lives, uh, this, this notion of trusting the people around you and putting, you know, D and D works best when you're trying to make everybody else look cool, you know? And it's one of the reasons I like being a DM is because my job is to facilitate the fun, right? My job yeah. is to make you have awesome moments. Yes. And, um, so anyway, all of that is to say, yes, I, <laughs> I hope that they, 
I hope that they uh, find that. And, and you never know, you know, you never know what your kids are going to be into, but I, I feel like there's something there for them to appreciate. I agree. Great question though. I appreciate you asking it. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah. No, that's, we, we it's, come, yeah. I, I come with the silly things. Eddie comes with the hard hitting. Uh, oh, questions. stop it. You, no, saw, no, you, no, you, you mentioned uh, Comic-Con earlier. Yeah. And the, the, the anxiety inducing hundreds of thousands of people converging upon one tiny ocean city, beach city uh, concept just in and of itself outside of being a parent always messed with my OCD and uh, agoraphobia and everything else. And there was something about going on a professional level. I always had a thing I had to do in a place I had to be to be able to tune out the crowds and tune out the noise. Um, now, Jeff, I, I, uh, the past few times I've gone to Comic-Con has been with our mutual friend, Ryan, who you went to college with. Yeah. And he put in my head the idea of once my daughter is old enough that she can come with me and cosplay. And he kept giving me this idea of going as uh, kick-ass. Uh, was it kick-ass? The little hit girl, girl hit, yeah. yes, yeah, hit, hit, yes, and I'm like, cool, that's great to think that from a perspective outside of the parenting experience. But when you have a two year old with you and you're going through the idea of actually bringing this two year old in a costume that serves your interests and not hers into the realm of the madness of Comic Con, that opens up so many other uh, cans of really uh, um, troublesome worms I don't even want to think about. And I'm wondering if you even had these talks because Eddie works professionally in this industry. I know you work professionally in this industry. I work professionally in this industry. We've all had to work Comic-Con. We all have kids. And at some point or another, I feel like that talk is going to happen where you're going to have to put certain logistics into play to figure out, okay, how do we make this work? Yeah. How do you make this work? I don't think I would take a two-year-old to Comic-Con, but I've definitely fantasized about taking like a five or six-year-old to Comic-Con. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and... Part of the reason I fantasized about that is because my mom took me to comic book conventions. Oh, like, wow. I begged her to, right? She didn't, she didn't take me because she was going and wanted to bring <laughs> me along like in this hypothetical, but, but I loved, I mean, my mom would, would go, it was um, amazing. She would like stand in line. This is back when comic book conventions were like comic book conventions, yes, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh my uh, God, those days. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I collect the comics from an early age. And, and so I would, you know, I'd want to get signatures of the artists that were there. So my mom would stand in line and like get to the front and she'd be like one of, you know, four women <laughs> in the entire place. And all the comic book guys would be like, oh, hey, hi, who can I make this out to? And she'd be like, Jeff, <laughs> you know, but I get to go and wander around the, the you know, look at the, the long boxes and try to find out old back issues I was looking for. And my mom would uh, would stand in line for the signatures. Um, anyway, so I have this history of like it being a family experience. And yeah, of course, you know, I, I fantasize about bringing my kids and dressing up with my kids and you can't go to, I mean, we can't go to these conventions now, but when you could go to the conventions, you couldn't go and not see lots of parents with kids. And so it's natural for me to have thought, oh man, it'd be fun to bring my kids but only if they're into it, right? I think I can't imagine anything less fun if you don't want to be there than a giant convention full of crazy people. Uh, right. But if you if you're into it, like if, I think I think my son already, who's four, I think he would think it was amazing because he's already into he's like loves um, PJ masks, you know, mm -hmm. which are basically like starter oh superheroes. PJ masks. <laughs> yeah. So he, I think he would love the just the 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 color and the pageantry and the the scale of everything. I think it would blow his mind. But I I don't know if I would even bring a four year old. I think feel like it would need to yeah. be a kid that that I wouldn't be terrified would get lost if I set him down for two oh, seconds, dude. you know, or anything like that. So yeah, it's it's a lot. But I definitely fantasize about it. I mean, Eddie, when we uh, were at Comic Con the yeah. last time I saw you in person. Oh, did you bring your, your your kids were at the hotel? 
we did something we did something interesting so i so my roommate that i split the hotel with for comic-con he had to leave um early saturday so i got down there wednesday for work stuff um because like i think my panels were like thursday and friday that year that year and um so he came down and then what happened was he left saturday morning my wife brought the kids down saturday uh midday and we had a basically, you know how like this is. I know if I should be admitting this, but you know Are how you when you pacing? moderate a panel, what, what is I'm happening? Pacing. I'm you're, waiting for my. I'm waiting for my, food, I'm waiting for my food delivery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. No, but like when, um, when you know how when you moderate a panel at Comic Con, you get like five guest badges. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, yeah. So I basically gave one to my sitter, and I'm like, look, come down and watch the kids for a night. Oh, that's and cool. We'll Smart. give you a badge, and so she was like, done. And so she. Um, that's awesome. So. She, Rachel came out with the kids. Our sitter took over the hotel room. Rachel and I went to the National Geographic party where you and me and TJ Storm and everybody else like met up that night. So she was with me that night. And then Sunday during the day, Sunday's like kids' day. So like that's probably the mo- like the least stressful day you can do on the on the floor there. So and yeah, we took the kids around. My my son Riker was five at the time. He was he was into it. He loved it, but it was borderline. It was a lot yeah. of like it was very sensory overloadish. Um, Grayson was into it. Uh, and then like, I, I take them, I took them off the show floor to like the smaller activations and like the Marriott and the, the surrounding stuff. Cause that was a little bit more their speed to your point, Jeff, I started going to conventions when I was 10, but like the Glendale city college, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like in like this, like little gymnasium, that was the scale. And that was like the perfect scale at that age. Cause it still felt sure. big, yeah. but I could like kind of there weren't like too many options. It wasn't overload. Right. right? Like it was, right. so yeah, I think it's, um, it'll be, but again, it'll be interesting to see what happens when, um, when the world kind of goes back to normal. I don't know that I'm going to be bringing them yeah. or at least all of them. Right. Cause now we got yeah. Millie and it's like, we got to figure that out. And you know, Millie was one last year. And so she was just basically in the stroller the entire time, um, which isn't fun for her. So it's, yeah, you know, you know it's 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 a fun idea to throw at a person when you're not a parent and you view it outside of this experience. But, you know, because I would view parents dressed up with their kids, you know, uh, on the floor during the busiest time, pushing strollers and whatever through large crowds. And I would be like, well, that's why would you bring your kid to this? You know, this, the same thing of like going to Coachella or something and seeing parents bring in babies. Yeah. But oh my now God. being now being in it the the amount of work that goes just into getting out of the house yes. is in and of itself a process the fact that people are getting their kids into costumes getting the <laughs> diaper bag getting the stroller if you have multiple kids there's that issue and making sure everyone stays together in these large crowds either on the show floor or outside on the street I it, it the amount of stress I am experiencing right in this moment as I'm even talking, talking about, about it, it. I don't understand how to even make that work or if that would even be fun for anyone involved. It's like we have yet to take Lily to Disneyland. We were going to take her there for her second birthday, but you know, with the way things ended up going on, the parks right. closed. Right. Um, and that in and of uh, fucking Disneyland, I, I I want to take her. But at the same time, I look back at pictures of me from when I was like one or two years old, crying, terrified of Goofy, who just right. wanted to pose with a baby in a stroller. Like you, you, you end up having this notion of are you doing this for you or are you doing this for your kid? Yeah. And it's something that I've been thinking a lot about recently and i i don't know if i'd ever i mean if she expresses interest to me i'll bring her to the convention eventually but i mean i guess that sort of takes me to the next thing i wanted to talk about which was uh and i was talking to eddie about this um this culture fandom pop culture geeky shit comes with a fair share of toxicity and um I don't even really know if this is going to lead into a big conversation, but there's a lot in this world that my wife and I are trying to, for as long as we can shield my daughter from, and you know, COVID has helped me keep her away from scary things and scary people and scary situations. But if you're bringing a kid into a convention world or so, you know, this fandom element of things, how do you communicate 
the bad stuff that comes with the good stuff to them. Do you understand what I'm asking? I think so. Um, I mean, I think a lot of that comes after they can read, right? Because uh, mo most of that bad stuff is is written, not spoken. Uh, good uh, point. Uh, and uh, usually when you meet people in person, they're pretty nice people. It's only when they are behind a keyboard that their, you know, behavior turns sour. It tends to be the case, at least. Yeah. Um, so uh, I haven't really crossed that bridge quite yet because neither of my kids can read yet and, and don't have, you know, access to the Internet. But it's, it's definitely going to be a huge part of what it's about to be apparent in these years, right? In the next 20 years uh, is going to be it's going to be a huge part of it. And um, I don't know how to navigate that yet. I think that is going to be a massive learning curve. Uh, I, I can tell you, I don't want my kids to have a Facebook account. You know, like yeah. I'm not excited about that. Um, but see, uh, Jeff, for you, I think this is a, this is an interestingly layered question because not only do you do hosting work and do you work as a dungeon master and tell stories that <laughs> way, but you also work in like tech journalism. Like you have reviewed video games and mm -hmm. gadgets and have an understanding in that realm as well, yeah. um, which provides a lot of different types of methodology behind and means of communicating where it's not face to face, where it is through text or on yeah. a screen. So I think there's like a multi-layered level to this. To be honest with you, I, I'm much more worried about the fact that by the time my kids you know, in five years, when my kids are really in the thick of, you know, becoming aware of the outside world, I don't think we're going to know what's true and what's not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think we're going to get to, I mean, we're post-truth already, but we're really yeah. going to be post-truth when, you know, when every, every single person will have an app on their phone that can do deep fakes, right? Like every person will be able to do it with a, with a click of a button. I think within, within 10 years, we're all going to be watching movies starring ourselves, right? right. It's, it's just going to be so easy that I'll be like, oh, I want, I want Eddie and Aaron and me to be in Raiders of the Lost Ark and I'm going to cast it and that's how I'm going to watch it. Like, I think that's going to be completely normal to my kids. Like that, that any piece of video you see, you will have no idea if it actually happened or not. You know, I think we're already kind of there where every piece of video are like, is that real? But I think, it's really going to happen in the next five years. Yeah. Like, Without and, some and, drastic regulation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, then what, like, then what <laughs> do I tell my kids? Like, don't trust your own eyeballs. Like that's, that's the world we're going to live in is you're not going to be able to know what's real unless you see it in person. So, and that's that. I just don't even know how to rectify it. I don't know what that's like going to be like as a parent. Well, and that kind of like, you know, we, a few, a couple months ago now, geez, we had um, Drew McQueenie on uh film critic. And, yeah. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's awesome. And a friend of the podcast. And, you know, he talked about media literacy being a, a fairly significant part of his, like his like life's work now and his mission. And, you know, or at least like a thing that he recognized early on is like a necessity. And until some sort of like codified, educational investment happens for kids when it comes to media literacy we're all kind of on our own and it's yeah. we're always you know especially when you have more than one child and especially in you know with, with both working parents the urge and the need to just utilize devices as just to, to buy you time yeah. until your shit is done uh is always there so you know and we're all figuring it out at the same time together imperfectly but in your household what do you do in and i know your kids are young but is there anything in this stage that you're thinking of any rules that you think you'll impose any boundaries yeah. around that stuff and what would that be that has been a huge discussion especially in the covid year that we've experienced because for the first two years of both my kids lives we said no screens whatsoever right no yeah. screens for the first two years and I had planned to be really strict on that stuff. Uh, and then COVID happened and it's like, oh, we can't go to the park. We can't, there's like so few options now of oh, yeah. just 
variety in their lives. Like, what do we even do with these kids for hours at a time that I think a lot of that slippery slope has happened. And my kids get more TV than they used to. Um, I gave, didn't give, but I've let my son uh, use my old 3DS as like his, you know, his console. But I, we limit it to, we try to limit it to like 20 minutes a day. Um, but this stuff has, I think, ramped up quicker than I ever thought we, we would for really young kids because right. of exactly what you're talking about, Eddie, where it's like, I just need 20 minutes just get some shit done. I'll put on the, the show on TV. Yeah. They'll sit there quietly watching it. And I never wanted to be that, that guy where I was using the screen as a babysitter, but man, COVID has really, and I, maybe that's a cop out. Maybe that's an excuse, but I, I do think that COVID has made that a little, uh, it's made me compromise that stance a bit, but it, it is something that my wife and I talk about a lot. And it's something that I really want to, um, not let get out of control because I don't want to be the guy that's, you know, at the restaurant eating my meal while the kid is on the, the thing you know, on the phone or whatever it is. I, I don't, I don't want that to happen. I want to be able to, you know, have a healthy relationship with media uh, because I love media. I mean, I make my living through media. I love right. media. I think there's a, certainly a positive element to it, but I do think that, finding that balance is a huge challenge. And, and I want to, I have a friend actually who used to run a company that was all about, um, he did this, this app called chore monster, which was like gamification for chores for parents, for kids. Um, yeah. So, (laughs) so he was very much involved in, you know, learning about parent child relationships and stuff. Anyway, he, his philosophy is with his kids like complete um complete unfettered access to to that stuff and his philosophy behind it is if you limit things you fetishize it and they have this pent-up desire that can't ever be satisfied and so it'll create it'll it'll put it on a pedestal whereas if you say yeah play a video game as long as you want they'll tire of it and realize Mm. that it isn't uh, you know, they're the best thing in the world anymore. And they'll move on to something else. And he's found success with that. I, I have a hard time accepting that position. I don't, I don't think I believe that. Um, but it's a, it's a struggle. It's a dilemma. Like I don't want to fetishize it. I do see that when I say 20 minutes are up, buddy, it's time to stop playing the 3ds. He's like, no, one more, one more, one more. And so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm open to what you've experienced. Uh, um, I don't think it's a cop out. I just want it's to chime in here and say, no. I don't think it's a cop out. I, I think that uh, especially with COVID and if it, your wife works uh, a full-time job too, uh, yeah. Jeff, yeah, and from are home, you both working but yeah. from home? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're juggling that and parenting duties with two children all in the same household. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that, you know, from my experience with what I've been doing here and I'm, I bet I've seen Eddie's sleep patterns through a screenshot he sent me a few weeks ago we're all not getting a lot of rest and we all don't probably get a lot of personal time to get whatever stuff we need to get done for ourselves outside of our bigger responsibilities it's not a fucking cop-out i feel like we're always going to be searching for that balance i don't know if we're ever going to achieve it perfectly but the fact that we're looking for it and striving for it i think is is big in and of itself you know i i have a friend who has a kid who i think is like four or five months old and he's constantly posting videos of her sitting in front of the couch watching movies with him movies like full-length movies that a little baby can't comprehend in their head like the and you know i tried that early on when lily was like five months old and she was at home with me and i had no sleep and i just needed I needed some time on the couch to just just not be present. And I put something on a cartoon on that I thought she'd like, and it was too much and it yeah. overstimulated her and caused a meltdown. Like these are the things I think we need to figure out and we figure it out while we're doing it. And with the COVID situation and at home parenting, it's a constant battle to find that yeah. sweet spot. Aaron's hundred percent correct. And like, 
if there's one thing, I think for me, a, a big motivating factor to doing this podcast is all is to just be a periodic reminder for as many men uh, or male identifying parents who need to hear this um, to forgive yourselves. Right. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's honestly like it's, because here's the thing. Sorry, I'm sorry for laughing. It's, no, it's it's funny because it's like you would think like, why well, say that? That's silly. But then you think you just you think about it for a second of all the shit that any halfway engaged like father or parent has. And it's extraordinarily easy to just beat the shit out of yourself yeah. with with your decisions because you you don't see all the good things you're doing, but you definitely see all the things you're not doing. Dude, dude um, the other night at one o'clock in the morning, I was telling Jeff this before we started recording. So last week, I thought I had food poisoning until one o'clock in the morning, like three, three nights ago, woke up. My daughter puked all over her bed mm. and I'm not good around. I'm a sympathetic vomiter. Oh, boy. Yep. You know, oh, uh, but I'm also the guy that fed her snack and like, made oh, dinner. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, so backstory. <laughs> a week oh, ago, so I, I was I was this violently ill, and yeah. my uh, bathroom wall uh, uh, is on the other side of that is the living room, and I didn't know this, but my wife and daughter heard everything, and <laughs> so then at dinner. My daughter, who is two years and four months old, at dinner that night said, Daddy, sick. And just kept going for five minutes straight at the table. And I said to her, just wait. When you get sick, I'm going to do the same to you. Didn't happen, though, because she got sick and I beat myself up. And I started interrogating myself as all the things I could have done to make this happen. Well, and, that, and that's what we have to kind of get away from it. Like, there's a couple things that I think are just we have to remind ourselves. One is um, we all read the studies that say, yes, device time and TV fundamentally changes the chemical composition of your child's brain. 100 percent true. You know what else does? Books like any kind <laughs> of stimulation that's intense and engaged and repeated will change. will do that. Right. And also going back to books, you look at what like um, critics would say in the 1800s or the 1700s like they would say like oh this person reads too much books too many books mm. they're just reading too much and it's just filling their heads with fanciful nothingness uh. it was often especially <laughs> used to criticize young girls um what was it was like they're reading too many books so like the fact of the matter is to do anything professionally in our world now you need not insignificant literacy on an array of different devices. Yeah, so that's true. the what I try to do, and I don't succeed nearly as much as I'd like with this, but what I try to do is not because we frankly we we have the floodgates are open on device time. We have some hard things around sleep, uh, and we and we more so like look at trends, and we just approach it from a perspective of balance. If I take the kids to the park or I take them hiking and they run their asses around and they work up a lather and then they're sweaty and they're exhausted and they come home and I have to like scrape them with a spatula to get them into their room because they're so exhausted. It's like, kid, guess what? You're playing switch the rest of the day. You've earned it, man. Like you've, you've absolutely capped that. I, I really just try to provide balance and I, that's all I go for is just yeah. balance. If you've had more device time, if our schedules were like Tuesdays, man, guess what? They were on the switch from the time they finished their homework until about seven, which has happened um, on a weeknight. Uh, then guess what? Tomorrow you get 15 minutes, you know, or you get like 30 minutes. And then, and then yeah. like, and then you guess what? We're playing a board game tomorrow night. I think yeah. to your point, Jeff, the board games and I, and not to link it back, but for us, we feel like just a variety of experiences is important. And board games yeah. have been a lifesaver in COVID because it gives them something tactile to touch and to think abstractly and to right. frankly escape in a lot of ways. Um, and, and I just, I hope if, if there's, you know, for the sake of the medium, I I'm, you know, I hope that more people who are, who've had to engage with board games, this, you know, maintain that practice when COVID lightens up, because I think it's just yeah. a, a benefit overall uh, so to families. I, I wanted to talk about one final thing before we wrap up and it's, video games and you've already talked about switch a bit um i've been to e3 once i know jeff has gone a lot and 
covered the events. Uh, one of the things that I think early on when I first met Jeff, which was sort of a, a common uh, thread through the home he lived in, was video games. I worked at THQ when uh, his roommate Ryan worked at THQ. And uh, Ryan still works um, in electronics and in an electronics industry that stemmed from the video game uh, foundation that he started at. And I think this kind of goes back to storytelling, a different type of storytelling, but still storytelling and media. Uh, first, Jeff, do you find time to play anything now that you're a dad? <laughs> Well, I'm fortunate that it's part of my job to play things. So uh, I have that excuse. Um, if I didn't have that excuse, I don't think I would play nearly as much. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still review video games professionally. So I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm able to do that. But it's been interesting seeing my son uh, sort of fall in love with Mario. Mm -hmm. um, because basically, we, we, I gave him the 3DS. I had Mario 3D Land on that, and then Mario 3D World just came on the Switch. Yep. And so we've been playing that two-player, uh, and it's great. And he, I've, I've realized that my son has the kind of mind where he wants to like, he wants to know the names of all the bad guys yeah. in Mario, and he wants to, he wants to understand the world, and and he'll play the same level over and over and over and over and over again because yeah. he wants to, he wants to like grok it, you know. Um, uh, so it's been it's it's been fascinating to see him do that. So uh, part of the video game experience that I've had lately is like playing games alongside my my son, um, which is I find it to be a positive experience. I mean, in contrast to what we were just talking about with with screen time, like there's there is this positivity to it too. Like we're we're having the shared experience. Yes, because I have a love of video games. He realizes he can talk to me about it and I can talk intelligently about it and I can answer questions, you know, and, and he can be like, daddy, daddy, what, you know, what's the, what's Bowser, you know, what, what's, what's he doing? And I can tell him, you know, about Bowser and it's all that stuff. It's, it's, um, it's, it's been a, a, a bright spot, I think. Um, but then I, again, as we've been talking about, I have this like guilt of like, well, I'm like, is that, is he obsessing about it? Cause he wants to know the names of all the characters and all that stuff. So, you know, uh, but yes, I I, I, like, I play a lot of video games, but it's my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, still though, like it's my job to review t television shows, but to be able to uh, find the time to watch like new Walking Dead screeners or whatever, mm -hmm. it's like I have to squeeze that in yeah. to this like little chunk of time after well, that's, my that's daughter's bedtime yeah. before my bedtime, like yeah. you know, and it's uh it 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 actually sometimes becomes work where before it was like, this is a hobby that I get paid for. And yeah. um, the danger of monetizing your hobbies. Sure. But, but Seriously. I guess what I, what I'm, what I'm getting at is do you view what you do differently now that you are a dad? Are you viewing video games? Are you viewing the medium or the entertainment aspect of it? The process of just sitting down and playing a video game is, is it an experience that that informs your life differently now than it did before you became a dad? Yes. And I think there's a number of facets to that. Like what I get out of it as a, as an individual has sort of shifted because it is more of an escape from responsibility and mm -hmm. duty. Um, but also, you know, my son, um, he loves Hot Wheels. And so there's like a Hot Wheels app on the iPad that somebody downloaded for him. <laughs> and it, it made me, not me, it made me um, really change my view of a lot of these predatory mobile apps. Oh my God. Because I started to see like all the triggers and all the ways it funnels you into other games and incentivizes you to buy and just like, praise on kids like it's the fucking hot wheels no there's not it's not an app for adults right it is literally preying on minds that don't understand how they're being manipulated and so in that sense like that's not something i ever really thought about before i i looked at these mobile apps in a way of like well that's kind of a shitty thing to do but uh, you know it's not gonna work on me i you know maybe it's working on people who have you know a addictive personality or something, but then it's like, no, 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 this is intentionally doing this to kids. And I think I'm seeing that through my kids eyes in a different way. 
and it makes me a bit angry. And I actually hope that there's some regulation on mobile monetization, specifically in stuff that's geared towards kids, because it's 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 really gross how it's done. Uh, and it's intentional. Like they know exactly what they're doing. You know, uh, big shiny buttons that, you know, are yeah. they, they put in a place where you would normally push to play the game. It, now it's replaced with a buy button or, you know, it's it a giant thing comes down that advertises a different app that the same company makes that like pushes you into that app and automatically yep. downloads it. all that shit. It's gross. It's pretty uh, gross. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've worked a little bit in that field um, and trying to. And, and here's the thing, though, is that like and, and this uh, to put a button on it, a lot of that stuff is ephemeral and it doesn't last long. So even like mm -hmm. the acquisition, like the, the top of the funnel acquisition of a new mobile app user, a new game user, um, it's got a shelf life. It's got a lifetime value that's already pre-calculated and they know yeah. exactly how much they have to spend in arbitrage to acquire that user and get them to play for X number of days before they churn. Um, and, and those things never last. Like they're just like, yeah. The real things that last, the things that stay on your phone and never come off are the things that like have you get that users have the ability to craft a meaning out of. And I feel like that's, I don't know. I feel like that's what we're uh, in success. We're all trying to do with the stuff we make is yeah. just create moments that you can share. And to, to that point, point, like it's, it's to that point, it's like, those are the things you feel like you don't mind your kids doing. Right. right you know like because there's depth and it, 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 there's yeah. a it's it's not superficial it's it's a real human connection they're engaged their their imagination is engaged yeah totally. yeah yeah so i mean we should all be so lucky that we get to work on a few of those in our lifetime right like yeah, we should we should sure. all that's the goal i think well okay then <laughs> thank you for your answer uh i feel like we're at that time where we're going to be wrapping up the show and uh jeff um thank you again for coming on i hey it's my pleasure my i'm really glad my while. i'm really glad my yeah. little tweet uh made you make the show because this was really fun i was glad it on was it. you I, and it was dax shepherd i don't want to say it was just you I'm but pretty yeah. sure that was... i was more influential <laughs> than dax shepherd. This dax shepherd person <laughs> I, I honestly it it the, the response <laughs> i got especially to the name it was like okay maybe i do have something here so i i really i do appreciate you I think Eddie appreciates you taking the Absolutely. time as well, but I can't Definitely. speak for Eddie. Eddie is his own person and has his own. I mind. appreciate you, Jeff. <laughs> if only he were here um, to speak, Aaron. I know, right? <laughs> uh, before we go, Jeff, do you have anything you're working on that you would like to talk about? And also, can you tell people where they can find you if you want them to find you online? Find me. Um, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, and I have a bunch of shows that I do. Um, the Dungeons and Dragons show that we talked about a bit is called the dungeon run. And, uh, we, uh, we have been on a hiatus. I'm hoping that the, the show comes back really soon. Um, but there's lots of content for you to check out already. I'm very, very proud of that show. Um, you can find it by searching for the dungeon run on YouTube or, uh, as an audio podcast. Uh, I also do a video game review show every week called DLC. You can find that at 5x5.tv slash DLC. A movie and TV review show called The Slash Filmcast, which you can find at slashfilmcast.com. Mm. And I do a science comedy show where you learn about science and laugh along the way. It's called We Have Concerns. You can find it at wehaveconcerns.com. Awesome. I think we all have concerns, you know, to, Indeed. to, to nail that home. Uh, so, Eddie. Yeah. It's another uh, episode in the books. We did it. This has been episode number 11 of Dadward Spiral. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at Aaron Flux. Uh, I use Twitter the most of all social channels I have. If you want, find me on Instagram at Aaron W. Pruner, Dadward Spiral on Twitter, Aaron W. Pruner on Facebook, DadwardSpiral.com, and DragonWagonRadio.com slash Dadward dash Spiral. <laughs> if you want to go straight to the source, but we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on iHeartRadio. We're like pretty much everywhere podcasts are. Um, and again, we got merch. Go buy it. That's my that's my pitch. Um, Eddie's Kirby.Matrix on yes. places. One place. Was it, much. You say Twitch and Twitter? Twitter. Um, Twitter. I haven't seen um, <laughs> Again, big thank you to Jeff Kanata for... Uh, Coming on the show, we might ask you to come on again. You're a, you're a, you're a fun chat. Yeah, you're a I'd, fun chat. I'd love to. Um, 
until then, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, exercise kindness in the world and uh, be excellent to each other. Hey, this is Zen Zenith just sneaking in to say, check out the house show show with Zen Zenith. That's me on Dragon Wagon Radio. The House Show Show is a live concert series featuring stripped-down performances and interviews with amazing singer-songwriters. Uh, we do the whole thing in front of a real live audience at a real live house and package the whole thing up into a podcast for you to experience in the ease of your home or car. Um, real intimate performances, real intimate conversations with great people. Check it out at thehouseshowshow.com or on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else good podcasts are found. We'll see you there. It's Dragon Wagon.